Let the conversation continue with BetMGM tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Just had a USC touchdown as they take a 13-7 lead, extra point pending, so 14 unanswered points for the Trojans. West Virginia, 30-10 winner over UNC. We're five minutes away from the start of Texas A&M and Oklahoma State. That's Denton Day. I'm PJ Glasser. Two more hours of us here on BetMGM tonight. We're with you until 11 o'clock Eastern time. So we'll keep you posted on what's going on in all the bowl games. But joining us next is host of The Drive on Denver Sports Station. 1043 The Fan is Zach By. You can find him on Twitter, at Bye's Line. And uh, Zach, appreciate you joining us. It was a quiet day for you today <laughs> in uh, in Denver, wasn't it? With, uh, with the Russell Wilson news. Your reaction uh, to all that. Were you on air when, when that happened, by the way? I was not on air. I do the afternoon drive show. So we go on air about 2 o'clock. I was watching the Broncos game uh, foolishly for a third time in condensed version to uh, uh, make sure I had all my P's and Q's buttoned up to break down the game, uh, not thinking that uh, we'd be ripping up our rundown. The game would almost be irrelevant. Uh, the Broncos playoff hopes are basically all but dashed. And the news of the day, I mean, it was just uh, one of the mm, seven or eight more interesting days uh, that I've been doing this job because even after we came on the air, we ended up even getting more information uh, and more reporting on the background leading up to the news today. So fascinating day in Denver. What has been the reaction? You know, how do fans feel about what has seemingly been Russell Wilson's last game as a Denver Bronco? Well, you know, the reaction is mixed, and I'll tell you why it's mixed here in just a second. But in general, uh, before this afternoon, as of this morning, Russell Wilson has had one of the um, lowest uh, approval ratings in Denver sports that I could remember. Um, <laughs> because of how bad last year went for Russ, um, I-, I think it's fair to argue it's the most disappointing season in Broncos history last year after the trade because of the, the, the drought that the Broncos believed that they were coming out of. The expectations were sky high, Super Bowl, win the AFC West. And then for the Broncos to uh, finish with five wins, Russ was trying to get the stank of that season off of him this year with Sean Payton and was seemingly making a little bit of headway. But the damage from a year ago, and guys, when I say the damage, there was like 10 different installments of embarrassing from last year. Uh, From obviously everyone remembers the Let's Ride stuff, which was so cringeworthy. But there was other stuff here in Denver that totally rubbed his fan base the wrong way, like showing up the first day of training camp wearing his own jersey. Not John Elway's, not Peyton Manning's Bronco jersey. It was a throwback Russell Wilson jersey. He spray-painted a (laughs) a, a fourth Lombardi on his cleats uh, and had it airbrushed professionally and said, there's more to come, Broncos country. I mean, this guy was leading the hype train. And then when the losses started to stack up, guys, you know, the Broncos were on a four-game losing streak, nationally being laughed at, and Russell Wilson launched a new hat line on his Twitter the Monday morning after losing a fourth game in a row. Uh, launched a, a brick-and-mortar store in a, a local mall here, him and Sierra. I mean, it was it was a, pers- uh, a, 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 a PR nightmare, okay? And then to cap it off, after the 5-11 and 11 season was over, 5-12 and 12 rather, the day after the season ended, Russell Wilson's official Twitter account launched a highlight reel from the season. I mean, it was as bad as a PR nightmare that you could ever imagine. So then you bring in Sean Payton to the fold, and the Broncos start one and five. 
So it was like a sequel, a continuation of a nightmare, you know, uh, uh, I, you know, uh, a nightmare that just wouldn't end for Broncos country. And then they started to win some games, and Russell played better. They won five in a row, longest winning streak since 2015. Russell didn't turn it over one time during the winning streak, and he slowly started to win some fans back over. And then, you know, they lose a few games, they get eliminated from the playoffs, and, and Russell's benched. But guys, this afternoon, in the middle of our, in the middle of our show, we get a report from Jordan Schultz from Bleach Report that has since been backed up by uh, Diana Rossini of The Athletic and others that the Broncos and Sean Payton came to Russell Wilson the, days before Halloween. They asked him to forego his injury guarantee. I don't remember ever seeing that, and I've covered the NFL for a while and followed it closely. They came to him and said if he did not void his injury guarantee, and this is what makes things complicated today as the story ages, if he did not void his injury guarantee, they said they were going to bench him immediately for the next game. Well, Russell Wilson said, no, we're, I'm not going to void uh, my injury guarantee, which is $37 million. And what happened next is apparently there's this clandestine meeting between the Broncos management, Russell Wilson's team, the NFLPA and an unnamed party in this meeting to try to figure it all out. They couldn't figure everything out. So this has been bubbling below the surface, the, the, the discord between Sean Payton and Russell Wilson actually for a couple months now. And then last week uh, in, at Ford Field in Detroit, you guys saw the viral video, Sean Payton screaming at Russell Wilson. Things started to become public. And then today we have all the information and the analogy I made on air is it's like almost the parents were discussing the divorce at night while the parents or while the kids were asleep. And now it's transitioned to the parents are out in the middle of the street arguing in front of the entire neighborhood. <laughs> this went from a secret, uh, a potential breakup to a flat out messy divorce in what ultimately I believe will be uh, one of the messiest divorces in Denver sports history, which include the likes of Carmelo Anthony, Nolan Arnato to, to, to St. Louis. Um, it's a full-blown mess here. So, so you mentioned the approval rating of, of Russell Wilson. I know it's early, but what has been the approval rating of, of Sean Payton in his first season? I'll tell you, that's such an interesting question because this morning, Russell Wilson was catching the ire of most of the fan base. One of the worst trades in NFL history, one of the worst contracts in the history of sports. And I don't, for me, none of that changes. But it was interesting to see throughout the afternoon when the information became available that Sean Payton tried to cut Russell Wilson off at the knees from a financial standpoint, which, in which I believe, guys, again, I've never heard of it. I, I think there's legal ramifications here. The league and Sean Payton do not get along. And to try to get a guy <laughs> to renegotiate uh, his injury a clause in his contract and the trigger of the injury clause. And if he didn't, they would bench him. That feels like it's illegal. Right. And um, I think this is going to be very problematic. And so, so the fan base started to actually turn to Russell Wilson in real time that <laughs> Russ was becoming more of a sympathetic figure despite playing poorly uh, for the majority of the two seasons. And despite having one of the worst contracts in the history of sports, Guys, it's the third largest contract in NFL history. He hasn't played a down under it yet. The contract hasn't kicked in yet. doesn't start till next year. That's because the Broncos made one of the most foolish decisions that you will see in pro sports. And I don't care which sport you're talking about. The Broncos did a new deal with Russell before he played a down of Broncos football. 
with two years left on the contract. We don't see that. We see contracts redone with quarterbacks to that magnitude with a year left. They did it to the point where Russell played last year and this year and hasn't played it down under the new deal. So despite all that negativity, it's actually Sean Payton and his personality that has rubbed people the wrong way here in Denver because Sean's Bronco start is not off to a good uh, beginning here. And I can point to about four or five things. If you guys would like to hear them, I'll share them with you. But it's, it's, it's one of these things where it's a mess. They're all under the same umbrella. And I think the approval rating for both parties within the market has taken a real hit here. Yeah, share some of those things, Zach, because I'm interested, like, you know, when you saw the report, like your first gut reaction, scale from 1 to 10, like how surprised were you that they actually pulled the trigger? Like, did you really think that they were going to do it at the end of this season? Did you think Russ was going to be the week one starter next year? Like when you saw it, what, what was your reaction to that? I was surprised by the timeline, not the decision. In fact, I've been saying for the last 10 months, this is the last year with Russell Wilson. This is the last year with general manager George Bate. Because here's what you guys need to know. And this is what we know in market when we're in the trenches that everyone else may not know outside the market. Russell Wilson had the injury trigger in his contract. And this is what this is all about this afternoon. That if Russell Wilson was on the roster the first day of the new league year, which is in three months, his injury guarantee wouldn't just kick in for 2024. It would kick in for 2025. So we knew that the Broncos had a decision to make at the start of the new league year. It wasn't just, hey, we'll do one more year with Russell and go from there. It was a two-year decision. So Sean Payton already knew with enough information based on last year before taking the job and then working with him for this year, he was not going to go with Russell Wilson for two more years. So I wasn't shocked because Russell Wilson hasn't played well enough. Um, and, and, and it's one of these things where it's the old adage, if you're going to do something uh, eventually, do it immediately. And if you weren't wanting Russ on the team in 2025, you need to move on and just accept your fate. What fate is that? The largest dead cap in the history of the NFL. Right now it's currently held by Matt Ryan. It's to the point where Russell Wilson's dead cap will actually double the largest dead cap in the history of the NFL. We're talking $85 million, guys. But it's actually to the point where it's the lesser of two evils. If you know you're going to move on, you've got to draft the young quarterback on a rookie contract, not a veteran who's going to cost, mitigate some of that price tag for the next two years, and then try to rebuild the franchise from there. So it's flat-out fascinating. So I wasn't, I wasn't shocked by the actual decision. I was shocked by the timeline of it in real time to bench him with multiple games left during the season in favor of Jared Stidham. And real quick, if I could share with you to, to, to the initial question, why Sean Payton has turned off this fan base, there's four or five things. One, he showed up and asked for anonymous donors. He wanted less noise and less social media. Those were his words. Then he proceeded to go back and forth with members of the Denver media on Twitter. He does two explosive interviews with Jarrett Bell of USA Today. You guys remember him calling Nathaniel Hackett one of the worst coaching jobs of all time. He's got to then circle back in a press conference, publicly apologize for that. He also ripped the NFL commissioner for suspending a defensive lineman, Owazarike, for the season uh, for gambling on NFL. Sean Payton comes out and blasts the commissioner and says it, it's, it's his fault. We didn't educate these guys. When in reality, we find out 48 hours later that Owazarike was placing same game parlays on the Broncos from the Broncos facility. 
He also um, uh, 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 railroaded Russ. He's, he leaked the, uh, the amount of weight that Russell lost uh, in the offseason, which Russ was trying to keep private. Uh, he came out and said Russell Wilson should stop acting like a politician and kissing effing babies. He also came out Damn and man. said he'd be pissed off. He'd be pissed off if this wasn't a playoff team. And then he started one and five. Guys, he went for an onside kick on the first play of the first quarter of the first game of the season. And the <laughs> I remember that. Got it, scored, <laughs> scored a touchdown, and they lost 17-16. Guys, they changed the rules for onside kicks. There's only been one of them recovered all year. People don't even do them anymore. It was it was arrogance personified, like, I'm back. I was, it was it, it aged so poorly. And then he's uh, kicked the media out of training camp. It didn't matter who was the Broncos coach, John Fox, Mike Shanahan, Gary Kubiak. It didn't matter. Broncos media have always been able to broadcast live from training camp or somewhere nearby. Well, Sean Payton wanted less noise, kicks the media out of camp, and the the media had to watch from the fans. Meanwhile, he wants less noise, and Sean Payton found himself in national headlines six consecutive days in a row (laughs) with the Hackett, Sala stuff. And then, by the way, Hackett and Zach Wilson come to Denver and beat the Broncos at home. So it's like... You have a confluence of just insanity from Sean Payton. Oh, and by the way, during this time, a video of him smoking a bong with 14-year-olds comes out. I don't care if you smoke weed or not, but if you're on camera smoking with 14-year-olds, it's a bad personal judgment move. So there's plenty of stuff to look at from Sean Payton and say, dude, this doesn't, you know, the days of Bounty Gate and 400 missing Vicodin and fighting with the league, those are supposed to be way behind us, and now it feels like this nonsense is here in Denver. So, and then now today you add on them trying to really railroad Russell during the season to avoid an injury guarantee, or they'll threaten to bench him for the rest of the year. That's just not normal protocol in the NFL. So I know I'm going on a little bit here, but this situation in Denver is very, very, very muddy for Russell Wilson and definitely Sean Payton as well. All right, Zach, so we got 45 seconds real quick. You mentioned that they're going to potentially look to to draft a quarterback. Could you see them you know, getting rid of Russell Wilson and then trading up to draft a quarterback? Because they're sitting in a spot where it might be tough to grab somebody. Yeah, uh, Sean Payton has shown a propensity during his 16 years in New Orleans to make those gambles and to move up. You remember him jumping up for Michael Davenport and others. He doesn't care about the picks. He wants players. Um, so I think they're going to draft a quarterback. I think it's going to be in the first round. They're not in a position to uh, draft a Drake May or Caleb Williams. I think it'll be Michael Penix or uh, 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 Daniels from LSU. That's that's the quickest solution to try to get out of here uh, or get out of this situation of cap hell uh, over the next two seasons. Man, super fascinating. Great stuff. Zach Byes on Twitter, at Byesline, host of The Drive on Denver Sports Station, 1043 The Fan. Zach, go get some sleep, man. I mean, it's been a busy day in Denver. We appreciate you joining us. Have a great night. All right, great stuff there. We didn't even, I didn't even mention I feel terrible. He had the white intercontinental championship belt over his shoulders, one of the most beautiful belts in pro wrestling history. I'm sure you were looking at it the entire time. The entire time. Yeah. I was thinking the same exact thing. I'm glad you let all the listeners know yeah. because you took the words right out of my mouth. Great stuff. It's a beautiful. From belt. Zach, we're going to give our thoughts on that as well. Look at the AFC playoff picture next. Bet MGM tonight. We'll be right back in just a few. Head over to BetMGM to place a better three. This is BetMGM Tonight, presented by BetMGM. Live from BetQL.
yeah, you've got to be you just got to be smarter with the football at this time of year. You want to be trending in the right direction and playing your best football this season. And Jacksonville's just kind of sitting there. And I think you nailed it, which is, are the Jags serious contenders? Kind of on paper because it looks like they can beat virtually anyone and they do have a franchise quarterback and they have weapons and they have a good head coach. But until we see it, all they are is, you know, it's like Bill Parcell said back in the day, you are what your record says you are. And the Jaguars are a good team, but they are not a great team. And now we're getting to the point of the season where, look, you don't have a whole lot of time to sort of fix these glaring errors and become so much better. You can, but you got to do it right now. You don't want to go into the postseason limping. No, of course not. Um, I'm looking at their schedule, and I'm trying to justify this statement. And I'm not sure if the Jags can compete with the cream and the crop mm-hmm. because you look at that game. Uh, this was back in September. Maybe not a good example. Chiefs beat them 17-9. to They got absolutely smoked by the 49ers, which most teams do. But I think they're only, like, really solid win this year. And, like, all wins are solid. I should, you know, quantify my statement there. But looking at that game against the Texans, in which the Texans actually had C.J. Stroud, because that's the other thing Mm -hmm. about the AFC South. Now the Jags look like they have a clean pathway because the Texans don't have C.J. Stroud, although the Texans did win over the weekend against my Titans. So I'm not sure. I always want to believe in the Jags because there's been years past where they have played the Chiefs closely. And, you know, sometimes their defense over the past decade has really got them, uh, you know, into some big games, notably those years that they had Blake Bortles at the helm. But still, I don't know. I feel like the Jags are one of those teams that, I don't know, they're just meh. Yes, sir. If he's a game manager, Uh what is Russell Wilson? Oh, he's a game destroyer. Uh, game destroyer. He's game, he's game destroyer. Just ask Sean Payton. I mean, he's, yeah. you, you saw what Sean felt about uh, about Russell after that offside play uh, there there late in the game. Oh yeah. Oh no. Russell Wilson is a is a game destroyer, and uh, and Zach Wilson takes the game out of the you know like back. Remember, kids, there was a time you had to put the game into the machine, into your PlayStation or your Nintendo. You had to put it in. He takes it out, smashes it on the ground a few times. And then just looks at you like, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Because that's what happened with the New York Jets today. I don't know what you get for Justin Fields, though, right? It's what whatever a team is willing to pay. I mean, that's, yeah, the Fields Bears. You get Bears, a second-round pick? I can't get it. You're going to get a first-round pick for Justin Fields? I don't think so. No, second, I would think. Second, third. I mean, it's the big unknown. Like, Chicago controls, they control so much. Because, like you said, they're going to have the number one pick and what they decide to do. I just cannot see them two straight years sticking with Justin Fields instead of trying to go and get their quarterback. We both agree. We think Fields could turn out to be a really good player, but I don't know, JP. I mean, if Drake May or Caleb Williams turns out to be an absolute monster like most think he will, I mean, they're going to they're gonna regret that forever. So even if The thing about it is it's like the whole bird in hand thing, right, is that you kind of know what you have with – certain guys like Justin Fields, Sam Howell, and it's 50% at best for even the top picks. So we kind of know going in, Drake May, Caleb Williams, one of those guys is probably going to bust. Right, right. That's what we're seeing right now with C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, and it's just the history of it. You can go through the drafts, like 
one of two is probably going to bust. Holding a, a Bengals minus three ticket holder, and I was live on air, and the emotional swings that you see as oh, a sports better. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, and this is over. I was like, oh, wait, we have life. Oh, wait, this is interesting. Okay, let's go. <laughs> and I was so happy to have pushed. I've never been more excited to <laughs> make no money before. <laughs> Yeah, well, it was an little. emotional yeah. roller coaster, but it was so fun. It was a perfect game to remind you of two things. One, why you're a fan of football, and two, why you're a fan of sports betting. The conversation continue with BetMGM tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. We got some points in the first half of Louisville and USC. Two minutes to go. The Ville just answered with a touchdown to make it 21 to 14. The live total 66 and a half. USC favored by four and a half. Oklahoma State with a 19-yard field goal to take a three-nothing lead over Texas. A&M. The live total in that game is 50 and a half. So that's what we got going in the two bowl games right now. Time to talk some more NFL. We're going to look at the AFC and NFC playoff pictures. Denton, let's start in the AFC where the Ravens are the current one seed at 12 and three. Right behind them is Miami at 11 and four. They obviously play this week. The winner of that game will have the tiebreaker and will be the number one seed heading into week 18. If the Ravens win, they clinch. The one seed, the Dolphins win. They clinch if they beat the Bills in Week 18 or the Ravens lose. You got the Chiefs as the current three seed right now at 9-6, and six, followed by the Jags, who are the four seed, leading the AFC South at 8-7. and seven. But they are in a three-way tie with the Colts and the Texans. The Browns are the top wildcard team at 10-5. and five. The Bills, 9-6. and six. They are the sixth seed. The Colts are the seventh seed at 8-7. and seven. The Texans are the eight seed right now, also at eight and seven. The Steelers are the nine over the Bengals, who are the ten. Cincinnati's zero and five in the division this year. <laughs> you have Las Vegas at seven and eight, Denver at seven and eight as well. So every other team, the Jets, Titans, Chargers, and Patriots are all eliminated. Colts do play the Texans in Week 18, so. That game does have some uh, Sunday night football potential. Might be a de facto playoff game. When you look at the AFC playoff picture, though, what what sticks out to you the most? Well, I think Kansas City being at three is the one that really jumps out because we're mm-hmm. so accustomed to them being not just the, the top seed, PJ, but when we're in the final couple of weeks of the season, they usually have 12 wins. So the fact that they're not only the third seed right now, they don't even have double-digit wins. Three other teams in this conference have double-digit wins, and they are not one of them. And one of those teams is the Cleveland Browns. I mean, who would have who would have taken the bet all the way back in September? Which team gets to 10 wins first, the Cleveland Browns or the Kansas City Chiefs? I think America would have taken the Kansas City Chiefs like 99.99%, right? Like nobody would have jumped on that Cleveland bet. So the fact that Kansas City is struggling, and we know why they're struggling. It's, it's their offense. Mm-hmm. Their defense has been really, really good, but Patrick Mahomes – and the offense have not been firing on the cylinders that we are accustomed 
to them firing on. Right. Guys are dropping passes. It's not just one guy. It's it's literally everyone. There's been the the Travis Kelsey stuff. He's been really good for stretches. He's been really bad for stretches, and he's been playing really bad in the past couple of weeks, at least for his standards. And if you don't believe me, just ask him. He's been saying it on his podcast his entire season. Small minds will say the Taylor Swift drama is impacting them. I promise you it's not. Uh, it, who cares? I don't, I don't think MVS is dropping passes because Taylor Swift is there. I would hope not, at least. That's a pretty – if that's the case, go to the XFL, my friend. You're not welcome in the NFL. But it's just something about this offense is not clicking the way that it has in years past. Maybe. Maybe it's Eric Bieniemy. You know, hey, maybe it's Eric Bieniemy. He's not here. Offense ain't playing that well. Who knows? Maybe it, it, it's weird to see the Chiefs at nine and six, isn't it? Like we we normally don't see that too often. <laughs> It'd be cool if it was like an Alex Smith quarterback team, right? You're like, all right, here we go, Chiefs. They're right where they need to be. But with Mahomes, you're like, wow, I thought this would be a 13 win team. First thing that jumps out to me when we're talking about the AFC from a betting perspective is on BetMGM right now. The odds for the number one seeds, only three teams at this point in the season can get it. The Ravens, the Dolphins, the Browns. Baltimore's minus 350, Miami's plus 250, and the Browns are at 40 to 1. Three things that jump out to me about the number one seed. If you like the Ravens to win the one seed, please don't lay minus 350. Just (laughs) bet them on the money line this week at minus 190. If they beat the Dolphins, they're going to be the one seed. The Dolphins are plus 250. If you like the Dolphins to get the one seed, don't bet the Dolphins plus 250. Bet them plus 155 against the Ravens, and then bet them on the money line, roll it over, and bet them against the Bills because they're probably going to be a small dog in that game. And then Cleveland might be worth a sprinkle at 40-1 to because here's their path. they got to beat the Jets this week at home, probably going to do that. Then they have to beat Cincinnati next week on the road, certainly could do that. They need the Dolphins to beat the Ravens, which could happen. They need the Bills to beat the Dolphins, which could happen. And they need the Steelers to beat the Ravens, which also could happen. So it's 40-1 to for a reason. Like, I, I mean, it's not likely. But I think it, it could be a sprinkle. It could only add to the Flacco legend. But certainly, if you like the Ravens, just take them on the money line, minus 190. Like, don't lay the minus 350 juice. So that stood out to me. I also think, you know, a lot of people are going to look at the AFC South odds. Jacksonville's minus 150. Colts are plus 325. The Texans are plus 350. Like, Jacksonville's got Carolina at home this week, and then they're at Tennessee. They're probably going to win the division. I know the Colts and the Texans play each other in Week 18, so one of those teams might have an advantage if the Jags trip up in these next two games. I I still think the Jags win the division. I wouldn't lay the juice, but uh, I I do like the Jags um, to still win the division. And then, like, is there some value still on the Bills to win the AFC East? They're plus 275. Dolphins are minus 350. Like... If the Dolphins beat the Ravens, they win the AFC East. But if the Dolphins lose, we know the Bills are going to beat the Patriots. If the Dolphins lose to the Ravens, then all the Bills have to do is beat the Dolphins and they win the East. So I think that is a pretty good price. Um, When you look at 1C, when you look at divisions, those are some things that stood out to me. As for AFC futures, I think you missed the, the boat on the Bills at this point. You know? I mean, what I got them, I got the Bills to win the AFC two weeks. A week ago, at eight to one. Oh, it's a good price. Yeah, good price. It's it's a good price, and I think at the time they were Super Bowl fourteen to one. They were like which I also fifty sprinkled. to one at some point. Yeah, at one and point they, they were because they they just they just right. weren't playing good football. But now that they are, so 
I do think you're right. I think you've missed the boat at least a little bit on that one. Now, you could still get decent value, but everybody's on that train mm-hmm. now. Everybody's on that train. So I think this, this ship has uh, has sailed there. Agreed. Um, you know, Baltimore is plus 175. Like, I, I wouldn't bet that. I mean, you've had so many better chances to get the Ravens. The Chiefs are the interesting one because it does feel like we're kind of getting to the buy low point on Kansas City. We know that Mahomes is going to have to go on the road most likely. They look terrible. Um, I just, I don't know, Den. I don't know if I want to throw any futures money on any of these AFC teams. I think I just want to bet them straight up, you know, and look at the matchups and look at the games. I think really the only value left is in is in the divisions and is in that number one seed. Like, if you like the Ravens, just take a minus 190 on the money line. Don't bet that price. Maybe take a sprinkle on the Browns at 40 to 1 to get the one seed. Like maybe the Flacco story just turns into a movie at this point. I don't know. <laughs> um, but those those were some of the things that jumped out to me in the AFC. I, I really don't know. Who'd you who would be your pick right now to win the AFC? I mean, Baltimore feels like the right pick. I would I would still lean Kansas City. Really? I mean, I bet Buffalo, so I guess I have a little bit of a dog in the fight in that one. But if you're giving me the options with Baltimore, Miami, Kansas City, Buffalo, I would I would whittle that down to which quarterback do I trust the most to go lead a game winning drive? Because I don't think I don't think you'll see, and at least I hope that you're not going to see a ton of blowouts in the AFC this year. I think just looking at how the, some of these teams are situated and how competitive that conference has been, that the games are going to be remotely close, which is better for us as fans, right? Mm-hmm. So my, my my question would be, who do you trust the most to, to lead a, a game-winning drive? And that answer for me is still Patrick Mahomes, so I would, I would lean Kansas City in that one. If you take Kansas City out, I would feel most comfortable with Baltimore because I feel like they're the best team. I mean, you're just like, you know, when people ask me about the AFC and the Ravens, like, you're just talking to the wrong guy, right? I'm just too emotional. Like, I just, I'm I'm too (laughs) scarred. I'm too scarred. There does feel something different, though, about this team and, like, the way Lamar's playing and they finally have the passing attack and there's no more Greg Roman. Like, that's the key. Well, I can tell you what feels different. It doesn't feel like he has to be Superman every week. That, but it's just like... Not having Greg Roman, I can't emphasize enough, like, how big that is. The Ravens were never going to win anything under Greg Roman. Like, I know that, you know, they got the number one seed under him. I know that he made the Super Bowl with Colin Kaepernick and the 49ers. But he was just the way he was over the last couple years. He was never going to lead the Ravens to where they wanted to go. With Munkin now and with Mike McDonald as defensive coordinator, man. Like, they're just so well-coached. OCDC Harbaugh is the head coach. They have the kicker and Justin Tucker. They check a lot of boxes, man. Their defense, I love their mix of like veterans and young guys. They got a good secondary. They got a nice receiving core. Um, you know, and, and the Keaton Mitchell loss I thought was going to be a really big one, and it still might turn out to be. But again, like you still have Lamar. You can lean on him with the run game. Gus Edwards is a monster inside the five yard line. The Ravens are the best team in the AFC. I don't know if they're going to win it. They're certainly the best team. The Dolphins, if they win on Sunday and get the one seed, that they're they certainly become very interesting. And then the Bills, man, like their defense is playing good. They finally think about the Bills is that they finally have a run game. Like how many times have we asked over the years for the Bills finally to have a run game, right? Yeah. Like so much talk about Lamar. Like he doesn't have to be Superman. Josh Allen doesn't have to be Superman now, right? Yeah, it's, a, it's a run game that's not Josh Allen, exactly. which is nice because yes. that dude would be doing the absolute most yeah. to to try and win games. Like, buddy, 
you got somebody else to take the hits. Exactly. Like, hand the ball off. Exactly. So that's what we're looking at in the AFC. What about the NFC? I mean, I think a lot of people after that Ravens game are a little bit concerned about San Francisco. I am not one of them. No, I'm not. Denton, like, at the end of the day, the Ravens are in the AFC. Like, if you're San Francisco, worst-case scenario, you see that team again in February. You don't have to play them again. You've played against Philadelphia. You've Cooked played them. against Dallas. Cooked we them. saw how those games went. And we know if they played against Detroit, they Cooked would— Cooked them. Right, because of that defense. The only team, if I'm a Niners fan, that scares me, and I think we would both agree on this, is the Rams. That'd be the team. Yeah. That would be the team. And that's not saying I would pick them if they went head-to-head, but that's the one team that I think could match up with San Francisco because obviously the familiarity with the division, I think they could score with them, and I think they have the defense that could get enough stops, right? Like, Dallas's defense is better than the Rams' defense, but L.A. matches up with them better, and they obviously play them three times a year, and McVay and Shanahan, it's the same tree. They know, you know, they know what each other wants to do. Um, so that would be the team. And I think at 35 to 1, man, like that is a good price, right? Like you're telling me if the Rams don't get Detroit or they don't get Philadelphia in the first round, they absolutely could beat either one of those teams, right? And then, all right, maybe you got to get San Francisco in the divisional round. But that's when you want to bet San Francisco. You want to get them off the bye, right? Like so many times we see that's when the one seed is vulnerable. So I think it could work out. For the Rams, that would be the team. We know they have Dallas's number. Philadelphia, Detroit, their offenses are too bad. To me, it's it's the Rams and it's the Niners. Those are the two teams. And the the thing about the Rams that I I do find to be intriguing is sometimes with divisions you can you can front load right. You could like they could have played the Rams twice in the first eight weeks of the season. It's not the case. They played them in week two. It was a close game, but Purdy wasn't you know Purdy wasn't what he had become to where he was in the MVP conversation. But they also closed the season with them pj and that dynamic is fascinating because you have an up-to-date look at at what they're going to do especially if san francisco ends up getting that number one seed you essentially they would essentially be playing you two games in a row Mm -hmm. right two weeks in a row the buy between but for them it would be two games in a row where you're playing the same team it's tough to beat the same team in back-to-back games it's really tough to do that. Now they would be the Rams would be a little bit more battle tested. Who knows what happens in that week in between? But them ending the season with the Rams and potentially winding up playing them again if the cards fall in the right direction in the divisional round is something that's very unique. I would I would say to this uh, the, this particular grouping. Yeah, I uh, I would agree with you. I just like Niners fans, you'll, you'll be fine. I promise you. You really. I think if anything, that was the best thing that could happen to you, right? Because the Niners looked so invincible. We all thought they were the best team. They were fully healthy, and we're like, who is going to beat this team? And sometimes a loss like that can only help you in the long run. And it's also not every day that your quarterback's going to throw four picks. That's that. That is not a regular occurring. See, that's thing. that's the key thing. Is the Ravens' defense is so much better than all those defenses that they're going to play against? Them. Right, so much better. I mean, Denton, do, do any of those teams outside of San Francisco have a top 10 defense in the NFL? I don't think a single one does. Uh, Dallas might. Yeah, I don't know what Dallas. their defensive metrics are. That's but true. Dallas feels like a, a very massive hit or miss kind of defense, yeah. whereas Baltimore is a, a sounder defense that just hits. They don't really miss a lot. Yeah, that's fair. Now, Dallas is a good call, but you're right. And we know what happens when Dallas goes up against good teams. So I think the Niners are fine. They're minus 110. Um, honestly, like, 
I don't hate that price. I I, I don't see how they lose. I borrowing like big injuries. I I don't. I don't see how they lose. I mean, it's the NFL, obviously. Any given Sunday, they're all professionals. They're all good enough to beat one another. Maybe the Niners have another crazy four turnover type game, and that's how they lose. But I just I don't know, man. I mean, they God, they just beat the crap out of Philly and Dallas. I mean decimated them like there was a zero percent right doubt on it's, who the better team that's was. the thing it's not like it was the dallas miami game right where like it was a coin flip and like okay maybe dallas could have won that game like you're not sure who's bet. like both of those games you left no doubt saying oh, yeah the, the niners are just they're way better than both of those teams they're so, in a different class different class so we'll see what happens with niners minus 110 to win the nfc When we come back, uh, more playoff talk as well. Maybe get into some more futures here on BetMGM tonight. Look a little bit at the MVP award. It's Lamar Jackson's to lose now. Denton and I will discuss that next. It's time for a short commercial break. Don't go anywhere, though, because we'll be right back with even more BetMGM Tonight. Presented by BetMGM. Live from BetQL. hit us on your thoughts on josh allen well just like we're not going to do like the full mvp stuff today probably but but we should talk about it a little bit when we do san francisco and, and baltimore we'll obviously talk about it a bunch probably but just uh you know like there's look i this time of year all i'm doing is just listening like uh, the time for me thinking is kind of past and it's just like all right like the, the the papers are due the tests are due like what's everybody's answer and like what are they saying 
And whether you like this answer or not, and you're listening, I kind of think this is where we're at. Uh, I think a lot of people, and I think that trickles down to people who vote, think that if Josh Allen wins the next three games, he's going to win most valuable player. And it's just worth keeping in mind that this is the first game. So again, Brock Purdy's price was going to, told you three weeks ago, he's the price most likely to drop. Look at the schedule. He's the safest case to make. And huge win Seattle, huge win Arizona. Those were expected by the market. Now what's expected by the market? Like, are, is there, are there any like auto wins coming up for any of the candidates? Well, Brock Purdy doesn't have one anymore. They're playing Baltimore on Christmas night. That is not a coin flip game. It is a still a, like a potential win for the Niners, but this isn't like 13, 14 against Arizona. And so if you're like, all right, like, is there someone who can gain momentum? And you already see a bunch of people, like prominent media people tweeting, if Alan, anybody can be ahead right now, if Allen wins all three, he wins. Okay. This is game number one. They're 11 and a half against the Chargers. They host the Patriots the week after. Host them. What's that number? Great. You're already in the last week of the season. They're playing Miami for the division title. So just like, again, if people, I'm just listening. And people, a lot of people seem to start to be saying, oh, that's a terrible sentence. A lot of people seem to be saying he wins the You know what that three. sentence was? abominable Ab abominable Ab that's exactly what the sentence was uh, a lot of people seem to be making this case like i i wish i was on it earlier but like you got just listen like people are saying this already and like i I'm, if you bet brock purdy or you think you should win be mad i'm just telling you what people are saying i don't think this who cares what i think i'm just telling you that's what a lot of people seem to be saying and uh and so I, I think it makes it like an interesting insight for thursday is like is josh allen's mvp price should it just be a three, like a three leg parlay of them to win the three games? And if so, what is the right price for that in that market? Is that really what it is? Which we talked about last week a little, and we'll talk about more on Thursday. I don't know what's happening here. What do we do? So before all the action started on Sunday morning, all the newsmakers were out there. Aaron Rodgers expected to be clear to play this week and then the jets get blanked and um they're eliminated from the playoffs so now what has this always been in only if let the conversation continue with betmgm tonight on the betql network presented by betmgm welcome back to betmgm tonight pj glasser denton day here with you, we got two bowl games currently going on. USC and Louisville in a shootout. 42 points in the first half, Den. We like that for our over 58. Although, you got your team total over with Louisville. They got to get it going a little bit. Only 14 points. USC, eight and a half point favorites right now. If you like Louisville to come back and win the game, they are plus 360. Oklahoma State just scored a touchdown to take a 10-3 lead. They are now 13.5 point favorites over AM. The total is 53.5 in that. A lot game. of injuries in that one. Unfortunate injuries. Yeah, first play of the game. AM who's got their third string in there. Obviously, Connor Wegman got knocked out middle of the season. Max Johnson transferred. And uh Henderson, who started for them first play. Kid got got hurt. So hate to see it. Hate to see that. AM's on their fourth string, trailing by seven. More NFL talk, though, Denton, here on BetMGM tonight as we look at the MVP, and this has been a huge discussion. We know going into the Ravens-Niners game, that was going to be a huge game for MVP. I had said on my show, Send It In, I was saying here on the network, 
if you like to, the Ravens to win that game, just take Lamar to win MVP. Don't take the plus 190 on the money line. Take the plus 500 on Lamar to win MVP. Well, Denton, now here we sit on Wednesday, December 27th, heading into Week 17. Lamar Jackson goes from plus 500 to minus 200. Brock Purdy oh. goes from minus 275 to plus 1200. So it's certainly Lamar's award to lose. I think if he beats the Dolphins, it's it's a wrap. It might already be, even if they lose and he plays great. Like I think that should still keep him as the favorite. If he gets the one seed, though. I think it's his award to lose. Christian McCaffrey, as you can see, if you're following along on twitch.tv slash BetQL, he's plus 425, two is plus 900. Purdy, as I mentioned, 12 to 1. Josh Allen, 14 to 1. So, I mean, your thoughts on the MVP race? Like, is this pretty much a foregone conclusion? Do you think Lamar still needs to beat the Dolphins? What are your thoughts? I do not think it's a foregone conclusion. I think there's still a very real possibility that Christian McCaffrey has a massive game this weekend. So I think Lamar Jackson needs to play well this weekend. If they win, but it's more of a, a running attack and running by committee, and he doesn't maybe doesn't score a touchdown, doesn't throw a touchdown, and they win, I can't imagine it'll be 20 to 13, but just follow along with me with the hypothetical, right? It's a 20 to 13 game. It's an ugly football game. They win, but he doesn't play great. And then you turn your attention to Christian McCaffrey, who's going up against an awful defense in Washington, and he scores five touchdowns. You're like, oh, God. Here, here we go. And by the way, Christian McCaffrey scoring five touchdowns against Washington, not out of the realm of possibility. Like, I would say it's much more likely that he scores five touchdowns than uh, Miami and Baltimore being 20 to 13. Like, right. if we're just given those two options, right? So I do think Christian McCaffrey is the one guy that's still within striking distance. I personally would also be open to a non-quarterback winning the MVP award just for a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of flair. This would be the year. It would, I mean, yeah, it would, it would be the year. Stats-wise. I think Lamar Jackson right now is playing the best football of anybody in the NFL, so I would still lean him, but I would say the one guy that I think could steal the award is McCaffrey. I, I don't think Tua can, unless Tua... I mean, if Tua falls out against the Ravens defense, maybe there's a possibility. Right? Because now we had the Purdy-Lamar conversation. They were going head-to-head. Well, now Tua's going head-to-head with Lamar, right? So what if the Dolphins do to the Ravens what the Ravens just did to San Francisco? Say Lamar has three turnovers. Tua throws for four or five touchdowns. I mean, you know, and Tua's got the Bills on deck as well. Like, if they get the one seed, maybe two at plus 900's worth to play? Well, it's crazy. Tua's only thrown for four touchdowns once this year in a game. It sure feels like he's done it way more frequently, doesn't it? I think we just figure he threw for like eight when they scored 70. Right. Yeah. And I, ironically, I mean, that that was the one where he threw for four touchdowns, mm-hmm. but that was all the way back in, in September. So I like that Tua is getting love in this conversation because for such a long time, it felt like there was an unmitigated hate for Tua Tungavailoa that wasn't justified. So I like that he's getting love in this conversation, but he would absolutely have to blow the doors off of this Baltimore defense, I think, for him to to catapult Christian McCaffrey and then catapult Lamar Jackson in the pursuit of this award. I mean, you look at his numbers. He's not playing bad. 4,200 yards, 26 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. That's not bad numbers, but you would need to throw at least or flirt with, I would say, 35 touchdowns if you're Tua specifically, if you do not have the threat of the, of the legs that Lamar Jackson has and the way that Lamar impacts a game. You know, the MVP this season is kind of reminding me of the college football playoff that the committee just, like, makes it up as they go, right? (laughs) Some years it's most deserving. Some years it's best. 
Don't you feel like MVP, some years it's stat-based, and then some years it's like we're going to give it to the guy who's like truly the most valuable player? Right. And that's what this year is, right? Sometimes it's best player on, on best team, team, which doesn't all – then very rarely does it feel like the Venn diagram lines up perfectly with all three of those things, mm-hmm. right? Like, it, it tends to vary. I think Lamar Jackson right now happens to be the best player on the best team. But also, if you look at the games and watch the games, you will see he is the best player. See, that's the thing, too. He does things during the game that don't show up on a stat sheet, but it's just like nobody else on on earth can do that, right? He makes these little plays. Gus Edwards has 12 rushing touchdowns. Like, 10 of them are inside the five-yard line. So, it's like so many of these little things. Like, people want to look at the stats and the touchdowns, but... There are other players on the team taken away. It's like how many how many touchdowns should DeAndre Swift have this season? But you watch every Eagles game <laughs> and the amount of touchdowns that Jalen Hurts has gotten from the tush push at the one yard line, it's like it's right. unbelievable. So uh yeah. I, I think if Lamar beats the Dolphins, it, it, it it's a wrap. I, I think even if he plays good football down the stretch, like if McCaffrey goes crazy and scores six or seven touchdowns in the next two games, maybe he could get it. I agree with you of all the years, maybe for it to be not a quarterback, this could be the one. I think the Ravens were just so dominant, Denton, on Christmas against the Niners that any that count. I mean, big time match, a big time window. You know, and that right? Don't we talk about the Heisman Trophy and like Heisman moments and those big games are magnified? Like that's what that game was. That's what that MVP race was, and. That game was so many great players on the field, especially on defense. That one third and 18 scramble he had where he made Fred Warner look just like... And Fred Warner's one of the best linebackers in the NFL. Oh, yeah. And he made him look like not the best linebacker in the NFL. So, I mean, it's just, it's crazy, man. So I would would love, though, if Lamar is to go and win this award, I, I would love him to ball out this weekend because I'm not a, I'm not a stat warrior. No. I, like, I'm not a box score guy. I, I like reading box scores. That's how I fell in love with this industry. But, like, I'm not living and dying by a box score. But at the same time, 19 passing touchdowns to seven interceptions with, you know, 3,300 yards. That doesn't scream MVP, especially when you consider that he's not also running for 1,000 yards. So if he were to go this weekend and throw for, like, four touchdowns, get him over that 20 mark, have that uh, that touchdown-interception ratio start looking a lot better, I feel way more comfortable with that. Grant, I don't have a vote, but you get what I'm saying. Like, it would, just, it would feel a little weird if, hypothetically, it's like a 21-touchdown season passing with only, you know, six or seven rushing touchdowns. Right, yep. So uh, that'll, be, uh, that'll be an interesting game for sure. It, that Brock Purdy thing, did you see that guy who bought the ticket on Prop Swap of, like, Brock Purdy? <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god, dude. Well, I mean, that some guy. people are so like give me the money. <laughs> I mean, don't don't burn it on that. I'll I, I don't even want to take all of it. I'll just take a percentage of that money. It'll mm. go to a better home, I promise. Just ridiculous. Yeah, I it's crazy. I think I heard somebody say there have been eight different guys this season who at one point have been co-favorites for the MVP. Like it's just Well, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, we, we could probably name them. Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, well Burrow, L- Lamar, beginning of the season, Burrow, Purdy, uh, Purdy, Dak, uh, Dak. I would imagine Josh after Allen the, yeah, was Josh Allen there. after the first couple weeks of the season. Uh-huh. So that right there is is seven, seven. and Who's that's the... in twenty seconds. Was Tua up there? And was he the eighth guy? Tua might have been. If it wasn't Tua, Tyreek Hill could have been in that conversation, or there might have been a point where Christian McCaffrey at certain books was a co-favorite. I think it might have been Tua. I feel like after that game where they dropped 70, he must have. Right. So right yeah. there in 30, that's eight guys that we came off with right off the rip. Yep. Um, I do wonder what 
how this conversation would have shaped up if Burrow hadn't gotten hurt? You know who else? You're going you're gonna to call me crazy here. You know who else I, I think would have really impacted this if he didn't get hurt just based off of this season? Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins. If Kirk Cousins was healthy, and based on how some of the – like nobody's necessarily blowing you away – Kirk Cousins would be right in that conversation because that offense. Big numbers. He was putting up huge numbers. Yeah. He's starting to kind of get the thing rolling a little bit, and having Justin Jefferson out there, it makes life a lot easier. And by the way, that defense is so much better than it was last year. Like Kirk put up good numbers last year with a bad defense. If he was healthy, that would have been a a ninth guy in that conversation. Dude, the job that Flores has done has been has been really really good. Um. Yeah, so Lamar's now minus – man, that thing keeps climbing. It was minus 160 on Tuesday morning. Then it got up to minus 175, I think. Now it's up to minus 200. So uh, that is certainly taking some money. We talked about Coach of the Year a little bit when we were doing Would You Rather Wednesday. We were talking about Stefanski or Dan Campbell. Right now at BetMGM, you look at the coach who's the biggest liability, who has the highest ticket count, highest handle. It's Dan Campbell. It's Dan wow. Campbell, man. And that's the thing. He's not even on Hard Knocks this year. I know, but people, I mean, how can you not love Dan Campbell? And what I love is he was with the Lions when they were 0-16. So he has truly been with that franchise and seen him at their absolute worst. So to finally be the coach that gets them to win that division title for the first time in 30 years, like it's awesome. I think that's what helps them. But man, is Stefanski making it tough for him? Because what Flacco's doing, by the way, Flacco too for like comeback player of the year, man. Tomorrow Hamlin's going to win it. But, like, the Flacco thing is insane, Denton. He's better than Deshaun Watson um, for this four-game gonna, sample size. You're going to paint me into a corner here, but it's fine. I would go Joe Flacco. Like, I, I love the DeMar Hamlin story, but Joe Flacco is having a, a real impact on not just the playoff picture, but he could get the one seed. Yes. And, like, I know he's only played, you know, by the end of this, it'll be six games, I think, is the final count. But I would give Joe Flacco the award for the six games he's played because he has completely made Cleveland not just a, a threat in the postseason. He's made him a fun team to watch. Yeah, he has, man. Dude, Amari Cooper just had 265 receiving yards. Yeah. I don't know if him and Deshaun Watson combined for that for the eight games that they were together <laughs> or whatever it was. I, I kid, but, like, it really wasn't but that also, much like, more. Like, I, I not don't know kind how, of a little yeah. bit. We're getting ready to start the second half in USC and uh, Louisville, and uh, it'd be nice if Louisville played some defense. We kind of thought this game would be going the other way. I, I don't care if they play defense. I need to play offense. You need to play offense. You do need that. Also, Texas A&M with a field goal, so that's a 10-6 game with Oklahoma State leading there. Our number four on the way next, P.J. Glasser, Denton Dick.